In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Thank you all for your those of that texted me or prayed for me. Um, yes, I stayed home out of abundance of caution, and uh, but I never had anything beyond the headaches. It's just that was how some people started out with COVID, so I didn't want to put anyone here at risk by coming while dealing with headaches. But I did feel lead led to share the message that I had prepared for last Sunday. I came across a poem um, shared by a friend of mine on Facebook, and um, you will rec- most of you or all of you will recognize this poem as being a humorous poem that's often shared at Christmas time um, about a person who isn't real, but someone took that and um, adapted it to the rapture. So I thought I'd start out the message this morning with that poem. "'Twas the night before the rapture, and all through the place, not a creature was praying, not one on their face. Their Bibles were laying on the shelf without a care, for no one had read them or noticed them there. The children were dressing to crawl into bed, not one ever kneeling or bowing ahead. And Mom had a rocker with baby on her lap, was looking at Facebook while I looked at WhatsApp. When out of the east I heard such a shout, I sprang to my feet to see what was about, when with what to my wondering eyes should appear but an angel proclaiming and trumpet so clear. With a light like the sun sending forth a bright ray, I knew in a moment this must be the day. The day so long ago promised was finally here. Jesus was waiting for the saints in the air. And though I possessed worldly wisdom and wealth, I cried when I saw the love for myself. I was not ready, for I had lived for its pleasure instead of laying up heavenly treasure. The people who had all lived out his love, he gathered to take to his Father above. With those who were ready, he rose without a sound, while all the rest were left standing around. I fell to my knees, but it was too late. I had waited too long and thus sealed my fate. I stood and cried as they rose out of sight. If only I had been ready tonight. The rapture of the church is drawing near. In the words of this poem, the warning is clear. There's only one life, and when comes the last call, we'll find the Bible was true after all. A few months ago, I preached a controversial message. I hope... This one isn't that way. But at the end of it, I I mentioned the return of Christ, and so I thought I would look at that further this morning. I think we we must be careful every year of our lives, every year since Christ um, ascended up to heaven, there was a possibility of the church being raptured. Paul made it clear that It was possible even in his time. We now know that that wasn't going to happen for 2,000 years, but Paul did not know that. But in a year like 2020, when there's so much to take our eyes off of Christ, we need to be careful that we don't forget to be prepared for his return 
for his taking the church home to be with him. It seems like 2020, everything is more intense. Um, People who got along fine in 2019 are at each other's throats in 2020. We need to be careful that that doesn't distract us, that that doesn't make us forget of our home above. Last week, Terrell shared the analogy of sports. Um, I have some more in my message this morning. When an athlete is playing, and there's a crowd in the bleachers, what happens if he or she takes their eyes off of the game, off the ball, off the race, whatever they're doing, and would focus on a fight in the bleachers? They're not very likely to win if they're distracted. Paul talked about that. 2 Timothy 4 7 says, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. He kept his eyes on what was important, and we need to do the same. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to read verses 24 through 27. As I've mentioned in other messages, that the Christian life is a lot like a marathon, where, yes, it's a race. Yes, there's a prize for those who win the, who get across the finish line first. Often they do age brackets that, yes, there's a winner who makes it across first no matter what age they are. Then they'll sometimes break it down to gender and whoever the first man across the line or the first woman across the line and then maybe they break it down with ages 30 to 40 and so on and so forth. But yet there's also a prize for all who cross the finish line and that way the Christian life is much like a marathon. 1 Corinthians 9 verses 24 through 27 Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest but by any means that when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul was using the idea of just as an athlete is careful about what they eat and drink, they they run carefully, they train. Um, one that beateth the air. If you've seen some people run. If you've seen me run, there's a lot of beating of the air instead of gracefully running. I think we've observed people that claim to be in the Christian race, and yet they're just doing a lot of beating of the air. 
they're not studying and striving to faithfully run, but they're beating the air. They're wasting a lot of energy on things that don't help them win. Have you ever seen an athlete? Um, I can recall uh, back when I was involved with the church basketball league, you ever see a young man who maybe his girlfriend was in the bleachers or maybe he just cared more about what people thought about him than whether he won the game. If he spent a lot of time looking into the stands at the people, he often didn't do very well at the game. And so Paul challenges us to stay focused on the goal, on what we're, our goal is. We're often called sheep in the Bible, and as sheep we can easily take our eyes off our shepherd and get lost spiritually. Another passage, Philippians 3, 13 and 14, Brother, I count my, my, not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We are human. We've all made mistakes. We've all done things that we regret. We need to make those things right, but if we keep looking back and dwelling on those things, it will take away our energy from winning the race, uh, the, the race for our faith, for our eternity with Christ. So we need to be careful that we keep looking forward and not looking backward. If we look forward, if we look backward, sorry, we will lose our speed. We may even trip. Someone who looks back can even trip on flat surface. So we need to be careful to continue to look forward. Paul knew that a Christian who looks back will most likely lose the race or his faith, i.e. his faith. Another passage I'd like to turn to is 1 Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 1. We have lived in a strange year. Um, we've gone from times where we may have been concerned about whether our job was secure, and a few months later, wishing our job was a little less secure, wishing we weren't quite so busy, didn't quite have so much to do. I've experienced that. I know there are others here that have experienced the same thing. First Timothy chapter 6, Let as many servants as under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them, because they are brethren, but rather do them service, because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing 
but doting about questions and strifes of words. Whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men, corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth. Supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. There are a number of warnings and struggles and things that people fall into that take their eyes off of the goal. Talks about um, teaching things are not right. Um, Getting into arguments, uh, envy, strife, evil surmisings. Perverse disputings. Hopefully we don't find ourselves struggling with that, but at times we may. Arguing or fighting over things that don't matter in eternity. Others struggle with the love of money. Like I said earlier, this year has gone from times of worrying about whether we had a job to, and maybe maybe you were laid off or didn't have much work for a bit. And then most likely most of you got to the point later in the year where you had so much work you didn't know what to do. Some people have made more money this year than they've ever made in their lives. We need to be careful. We need to be thankful, grateful that God has blessed us. I mean, I, I believe there are no one, there's no one in Elkhart County, I'm not saying children who are in a, in a bad situation, but adults, I don't believe there are any adults going hungry or starving, or not able to find food or raiment. That can take our eyes off of what's most important, and we can forget about what's coming next. Need to be careful and cautious. Hebrews 12, 1-2, you can write it down. Look it up later. But wherefore, seeing we are so compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. When Jesus came to earth, it's easy, I think, for us to think, well, he was only here three years. It wasn't, or like his ministry was only for three years. He was only here for around 30, 35 years. All he had to do was be faithful during that time. But yet, at times, he faced severe temptation and struggle when he was in the desert for 40 days. Satan tried to tempt him with 
earthly power, um, prestige, wealth, whatever could come from that. And we can say, well, I'm, you know, Jesus could look at what was available to him in heaven, the power, the glory, the position there, the prestige there. But yet I believe that Jesus was part human when he was here. He was in a human body, and I'm sure those things were tempting. Those were things that he had to fight against. And we think about it, had he done that, had he settled for earthly power and glory, he could have had it all because he had the power of God in his life. He, it was available to him to do whatever. Just as he fed the 5,000, he could have defeated armies of 10,000s, hundreds of thousands of people. But what would it have cost him? Just as we have a purpose here on earth as believers to run the race of the Christian life, Jesus came here to earth with a purpose, with a race to run. Ultimately, he came to make a sacrifice. Had he settled for earthly power and glory and all that, he could never have fulfilled his race, won his race. And what would that have cost us? That would have cost us everything. Because he would not have been able to cover our sins and provide a home in heaven for us. So I'm grateful that he kept his eyes also on the goal, on the target of why God had brought him here. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Well-known story, verses 1 to 13. Matthew chapter 25. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out, go out ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough. For us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterwards came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know ye not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. All five were invited to the wedding. All five, or all ten were invited to the wedding. All ten knew what was going to happen. All ten had lamps. I think it's easy for us to think that the five were non-believers, didn't know the truth, but I don't believe that's true. I believe in this parable we see 
those, everyone who calls themselves Christians are represented by these ten virgins. But five are not prepared. Five did not have their spiritual houses in order. I think one of the reasons this story is such a good example of the church waiting for the rapture is that you see the ten virgins, they didn't stay awake all night. They didn't have their lamps burning all night. There are times where we have to go about our lives. We have jobs. We have to raise our families. But we still must be prepared. We don't spend all our time standing outside outside, gazing up into the sky. We have to remain doing God's work here on earth. But yet we have to be spiritually prepared for when the bridegroom calls. Today there are millions upon millions who claim to be Christians but do not have the oil prepared for their lamps. What does this oil signify? I had when I looked at this parable, I thought, you know, a lot of a number of the parables that Jesus gave, he would then later explain to the disciples what this meant, what this stood for. Sometimes he didn't, and this one he did not. And but we I think we can there there are a number of things that we can look at to what the oil signifies. One would be, I think, the word of God, that we study it, know it. If we don't know God's word, I believe our lamp will be dry. Another another thing that represents oil would be prayer. If we have no relationship with God through prayer... I believe our lamps will have no oil. We also need a repentant and sanctified life, a righteous life through Jesus Christ. We cannot expect to be ready when he calls if there's unrepentant sin in our life, if our love for the world is greater than our love for God. Another biblical analogy of the rapture, and we see almost the exact same thing that happened to the five virgins who were not ready, but was Noah in the ark. And another, and that analogy also, I think, is a good example too. Noah knew what was going to happen at some point. He was going to be put in the ark, shut up in the ark. But he didn't know the exact hour or day either. If he had, he could have warned people. And I think some people might have got in the ark right at that moment. Like, well, that really won't affect my life. As long as I get in the ark at 2 o'clock on Thursday, if it doesn't happen, then I can get back out. But to be prepared at at any time, One thing the Bible doesn't tell us that I know of was 
How long after Noah finished the ark was it until God closed the door? Was it two days? Two weeks? I guess in my mind I always pictured it just being a couple days. You know, Noah wrapped it up and up came the animals. But it may have been a few weeks. It may have been a few months from the point when Noah finished the ark until God closed the door. But Noah had to have everything in order so that when God closed the door, he and his family were inside and they had the provisions they needed for themselves and the animals. We must be working just as Noah faithfully worked and built the ark in obedience to God. We must be working and faithful in his kingdom. I remember hearing a message when I was a teenager about the rapture, about the Lord's return. If you're young this morning and you go, you know, the rapture, that sounds good, but you know, there's some things I'd like to do. Maybe you're not, maybe even you're a young adult and there's things you would still like to do. I remember as a teenager, I said, you know, it'd be nice to get out of school and get a job and do a little traveling, maybe get married if God calls me to that. You know, I'd like the Lord not to quite rapture quite yet. Maybe There may be some of you here like that. And I don't think that's all bad. God puts in young people desire to do those things. But at the same time, we should not neglect being ready if the Lord comes back. We should not think that, oh, I've got 10 years, I've got 20 years to get my house in order spiritually. We don't have a promise of tomorrow. We don't know how long it'll be. But as you get older, the rapture does, I think, and or just going home to be with the Lord looks a little more, a little better and a little nicer as time goes on. If we are ready, if we are ready, I'll give that caveat that it has. To, we we have to be ready. But if you are young and you're struggling with this message this morning, ask the Lord to help you. I think there's 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 good desires. There's things that are not bad, but at the same time, don't put off having your life and heart ready if you were to come back soon. In closing, I wanted to read the chapter, uh, a few verses in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I read verse 7 earlier, but I'd just like to read verses 5 through 8 of 2 Timothy 4. Second Timothy 4, verse, starting verse 5. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work as an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. If you are young and you look forward to, you're willing, you'd like to do some mission work, do some travel, 
Maybe even you look forward to the day you can get married, start a family, and all those things. Those are not bad desires. Paul even recognized the fact that as we watch, we work. We be faithful in whatever God has called us to. In closing, I'd like to read a second poem. Ten virgins set out one dark night with lamps and oil burning bright to meet the bridegroom who they heard who was coming shortly at his word. But time passed on as time will do, and they grew tired, anxious too. The hour grew late, and so they slept as closer to the time it crept. Then hark the sudden cried aloud, and those ten virgins in a crowd rose up and went to follow him. But lo, five lanterns now were dim. Those five not ready for this night turned back to fix their awful plight. But when they came late to the door, it would not open anymore. I never knew you, so they heard. There never was a sadder word. O Christian brave, be ready now at Jesus' feet to humbly bow. The bridegroom Jesus soon will come to take the faithful virgins home. The Lord bless each one of you.